Thank you for tuning in to Movie Geeks United. Barry Primus is a multi-talented actor, writer, director, and beloved teacher. He's collaborated frequently with Robert De Niro in films like New York, New York, Night in the City, Guilty by Suspicion, all the way up to The Irishman. Other films that grace his resume include Puzzle of a Downfall Child, The Rose with Bette Mittler, Absence of Malice with Paul Newman and Sally Field, Down and Out in Beverly Hills, and his collaborations with director David O. Russell, American Hustle, and Joy. We spoke last year for our Movie Geek Yearbook series. Here is our conversation in full, which focuses heavily on discussing the craft of acting. You must feel so fortunate to have come up when you did, because this was such an exciting time in, in, in film and theater and all the emerging talents. Well, yeah, sure it was. I, I, you know, theater was very important at that time. And uh, nobody really thought it looked like us, <laughs> that we would end up in the movies. Nobody, but, you know, looking like a regular person was in the movies. They were all kind of like, you know, <laughs> different kinds of beauties. But everybody was working to be on the stage. When you had to be on the stage, you had to have a technique. You know, you couldn't just be a type. You wouldn't work very often. You had to know how to act in, in a certain way and have some technique. So we were all going to great classes, you know, and there were great teachers around at that time, you know, like Stella Adler and uh, Sandy Meisner and Lee Strasberg and Uta Hagen, who I studied with. And so it was an exciting time, you know. Everybody was around at that time. And I know a lot of them today still, and many of them became, you know, you know, uh, the big stars of, 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 of film. Yeah. You know, I was in, you know, classes with Dustin and and, uh, and De Niro was early, you know, and we were all in the actor's studio and everybody, you know, we, the place was loaded with uh, very, very talented people who, were merged as big talents later, you know. So it was a very exciting time. Very well, exciting you know, time. I remember in 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 high school when I when I would take drama in high school, I would uh-huh. study study Uta Hagen's uh, respect for acting. All right, but I still <clears> give that out as a teacher. Sure. Yeah. Um, what what kind of teacher was she? Book. Well, she was very generous to me, and um, very nice to me. I. Uh, you know, I auditioned for her class like you had to. She, you know, she loved the theater and she loved teaching, and she encouraged each student in a very particular way. You know, she didn't have deep personal relationships with with the students, which I later on had with my with my teachers. She stayed away from getting too involved with anybody, and since I was a kind of volatile young man, her best way of, of working and dealing with me was to let me just sort of be and give me small hints and push me in certain directions, you know, rather than have me combat her, or which I had done in a lot of situations where there was authority involved. She didn't have that big authority. She was very lenient and saw each person as a potential potential artist, I guess. 
Mm. And she really did have a respect for acting. She brought that. You know, that's what those teachers brought from that time, that the work was important. And <clears throat> she was one of the people that made me think that, you know, studying acting and being an actor, even just studying would make you feel more alive. <clears throat> you know, I think it's Stella Adlin said that someone says they want to act, what they're really saying is, most people are really saying is that they they want to live in a louder way, in a bigger mm-hmm. way, you know, and 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 um, there was a dignity about about it also that, that that made you feel that you were dealing with somebody, a real master of some sort. She was a wonderful actress also. But she was very kind to me and I <clears throat> did a scene and she liked it and she asked me if I had money. I didn't have much money at that time at all. And she um, says, I don't do this often, but you can come for nothing. So she was very kind to me and I really, as a matter of fact, a big moment with Ula, I always think it's a great teaching moment. You know, we all, te- I teach and sometimes we all over teach or, and, and which is not a great idea. And, I remember I did I did a scene with Anna Sokolov, who's a wonderful dancing and choreographer, dancing choreographer, directed me at her studio, the HP studio, Herbert Berglund, Ruta Hagen studio, and I did a scene from Metamorphosis. Not a scene, a play where I played the bug in Metamorphosis. <laughs> and afterwards, she was there, and I was a little nervous that she was there, because I would be a teacher like that. And then afterwards, you know, she came over to me and looked at me and smiled and put her arms around me and hugged me. That was her criticism. So mm. and to be encouraging, to be encouraging, to let things grow, to not be the guru who makes you dependent on them or who is, has, you have to do it her way. It's a kind of liberal respect the talent in the class, which I, I really enjoyed. She's a great teacher. Yeah, and as a teacher yourself and a director and an actor, uh-huh. uh, that, that must be a special uh, gift that a director must have <laughs> to, to know when to pull back, to know when to offer Well, yes. Um, you know, uh, Aaliyah Kazan, who I worked with, who was considered, you know, probably, you know, one of the masters of, 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 of all of all time backing a film had the greatest performances were all in his movies and we were all thrilled with those performances and those actors that he kept. He once said something, I think he said it to me, I was directing something and he said, directing is easy, Barry, you just have to know when to talk and when not to talk. And then I kind of frowned, not knowing what to make of it. He said, oh, don't worry about it. It takes a lifetime to figure that one out. And he was right. <laughs> yeah. In other words, every time you talk, you take on responsibility. So when you're working with somebody, you have to say, would my a comment here get them to go further? Or would my comment here stop them from growing in a natural, organic way? Am I going to make things better or am I going to make things worse? And when you're shooting a movie in particular, you have to have this on your mind 24 hours a day when you're watching the act. You have to say, shall I get them to go further? Shall I not get them to go further? If I, get, if I 
speak, I'd now take on responsibility. Should I do that or not? And um, so, yes, it's a special gift. It requires confidence in yourself. Mm. It requires confidence in the actor in front of you. It also requires something like somebody Martin Scorsese has, you know. I just saw The Irishman last night. He has this ability to believe in the actor he cast and to let that actor flourish, you know, um, to coach him in the way that he can do it. I think that's his big thing. And a lot of times, directing is... I always say to the students, if, if a scene is being done very well, you need, and you don't need to say anything, and you don't say anything, is that directing? And the point is, it is. You know, it is directing. It's mm-hmm. a decision. It's just as much as, you know, going on and on and on. So, you know, it's interesting when you were talking about the different uh, the different ways that your teachers expressed to you why acting mattered. Uh, right. I think about this a lot because so many of us, including myself at times, I, I feel like a stranger in my own life. Like I'm not truly experiencing mm-hmm. things. And one of the tenets of acting is... To, 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 to live in the moment, to be present. Right. Well, yes. And, and you know, you have to do all that work, you know, uh, all that work when you get the script to figure out what it's about. And then once you figure out what it's about, and once you figure out, once you experiment with, possibly how to go about it and who you are in relation to that character, what part of yourself you're going to use, what side of yourself will you use? Mm. And once you made that decision and then you perform it, of course, the real trick of the masters is to forget it all. I wouldn't say forget it all. I'd say accept it all and then just be there. It's not called, uh, uh, acting is not defined as by Stanislavski as acting under under imaginary circumstances. He defines it as creating behavior under true behavior under imaginative situ, uh, situations, and I like to say, or living or being under mm. imaginary, which is really the great work when people don't don't uh, make acting choices anymore they're they're inside of themselves that and then at the moment how they feel they lend that to you know louis armstrong plays uh, you know hello dolly differently each time where does that come from he knows the melody that's the scene that's the, that's the scene is the melody it's written that's the melody he has to know what that's about but then when he comes to play it, how he plays it every night, how he does it, plays out of the moment. And that's why he says he gets his ideas from life. He says, I play with life. So, yeah, it requires being in the moment, and that's why the actors are so addicted when they're really working well to, mm. to uh, you know, you know I, I, I maybe this is a pedestrian question, and I, I promise we'll get to the films, but... Well, no I, one, I don't care. I, I so relish the opportunity to speak to a, a lover of the craft and a master of it as you are. 
because the the brief period of time when I would when I would perform years ago, the problem that I had sometimes if I felt right about something and I got a note to make an adjustment, mm-hmm. all of a sudden all I could think about was that adjustment and it just yeah. Yeah. it just threw everything off. Well, that's when 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 a director working with you would have to know that and know how to how to approach you. Maybe he gave you results you were worried about, gave you the result. And mm. It threw you. And also, well, you have to be able to do what the director wants. The two of you together have working on the same project, and he has a note. He's thinking he's helping the play. You in the play... And when we get notes, and we can't, we have to find a way, we have to find an organic way to make that note, and an organic way to make that note. Yeah. You don't just make the note. You have to find a way, that's the result of directed once. He says to you, well, you're, you know, you. I don't feel that you have much feeling for that woman, even though you say you're very upset about leaving her in the sense. And you say, oh, mm, I got to deepen what I'm doing. So then you go back to your technique and you say to yourself, now, how can I feel more attached? Who do I know in my life who, who touches me? What, what woman could I possibly substitute? What experience? And that's the actor's adventure to do that because you do have to you do have to uh, work within the the play most directors unfortunately give results Mm. they don't if I were directing trying to direct you and you had problems with that I guess I would try to find instead of giving the result I would try to give you from in the situation of the play something that would create that note well, what I like, mean? A, like an action. Like an action, an action yeah. But you didn't like, you don't feel in love with love, but say, oh, you know, don't forget that this is the woman of your dreams and that you've been lonely, so lonely up to this point. And she's fulfilled so much in your life and you're finally at a place where you feel balanced and good. You know, I've tried to do something personal with you, knowing you. Mm. That, would, that would help you. And that would get you away from the result. You follow? I do. Yes, sir. That's, so it's both people. We've got to work with both people. Yeah. Act, yeah. Directors don't know a lot about, most of them, about acting. That's why when I teach directors, I have them act first. I don't think from a book you can learn how, how, to, how actors work. You know, you've got to has, be in the that, inside. Has that changed over the years, uh, over the decades, where you've seen the, the focus of the director kind of shift? Well, sure, in movies, you know, it's such a technical form that you have to master so many technical things, mm. you know, that acting seems, you know, actors are very well developed, many, many one of the ones who hire in movies and things and plays. And the directors rely heavily on the actor to be talented. And, and most of them, not most of it, some of them are frightened of the actor. So they, they don't really know what, they're kind of not, 
knowledgeable about the actor. Yes, it, it's changed. I think people do a kind of peripheral scan when they go to Yale, those places in filmmaking, uh, teaching uh, teaching them how to deal with actors. But uh, yeah, it's changed. I mean, when you when you go to a play, plays now, many times the last thing that they work on is the acting. You know, mm-hmm. it's tired. You know, you know so. I think it's. I think it's. But on the other hand, acting the acting seems to have be quite good in 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 things. Yeah. So so I don't I don't know. But I do think that I do think that we don't hire act directors necessarily because they're good with actors. That's just you know not something that comes with the primary focus of hiring a director. Yes. Well, the the first. Uh... The first movie I want to discuss with you is you did with a director who certainly knew actors. And I spent all day uh, talking about Martin Ritt's career uh, with, a, with a couple of interviews I did the, the other day. And this is he was an extraordinary filmmaker who made extremely powerful and sometimes very popular movies. And yet he's a filmmaker that has somehow remained under the radar right. to the general public. It's odd. <laughs> but what, a, what an enormous talent he was. Well, he was, and, and um, you know, he did, um, he did he did wonderful films, some wonderful films. Yeah, I I did a very I did a small role for him in the Brotherhood, and the first movie I ever did, and he wanted me to play the lead. I was interested in actually playing the lead, but Alex Korn had already been cast, and maybe I wasn't quite right. But Kurt Douglas was in it. It was a big big actors movie and there were a lot of famous actors in it and this and that but I became friendly with Marty later when I was working as an assistant to Mark Rydell a very an a director by the way who's terrific with actors in his movies you know like mm. on Golden Pond or The Rose and those things and um, and we used to have lunch a lot Marty he was a you know you know and he was a stage director, you know. And I saw, you know, he did Arthur Miller's *Butte in the Bridge* on 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 Broadway, and I believe he did Clifford Odette's uh, *The Flowering Peach*. And um, I believe he worked with Kazan at one time too. Yeah. I don't know whether Marty Ritt was blacklisted. He might have. He was. Been. He was. Yeah, well, everybody was. Yeah. Who's was any good? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you you brought up something interesting. We'll skip around a little bit. But when you talk about the work that you did with with Mark Rydell, was that a period of time where you were focused on learning as much about the industry outside of acting? That's because, right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, I, I knew Mark from the actor's studio. He was a terrific, charismatic director, and and. Um, and uh, very good with actors, and he's been a very, he is was a very good actor, and um, himself and is. And I showed him a short I made, and he said, "Wow!" So then the rose came up, and he asked me if I would, if I would play a part in it, you know, part of the stage manager with that Midler. And then uh, I don't know, I think I might have said to him, "I'd like to assist you." He said, "Yeah, I'd love to have you assistant." So I became an assistant on that. And I followed the entire movie. I cast it, co-cast. Well, I, I was part of the casting process. I, I shot the second unit, which was brilliant because I worked for the cinematographer on that movie, who was Bill Sigmund. 
Wow. Became a very terrific person. I did, I did I think I did three movies with him, maybe four. And uh, he really was a master with the camera. And then I also ended up editing with, uh, with and that was um, a fantastic experience. And so, and looping the movie, I think I was the looping director for the European edition of that Macbeth. I had a very good relationship with that and Midler. And um, I believe she knew me and uh, because she had seen me in the park, Shakespeare in the park. She knew I was. And so I came on when she came on and I became her, um, I don't know, kind of confidant and helper and this and that. When the thing, scenes were happening, Mark would sometimes say, maybe you could help Bet with this. And Bet would ask me to tell her something and I would look at the scene and whisper in her ear some kind of little nugget that might help or might not. You know, and she was so brilliant anyway. We became friends, and we're still we're still friends, you know. So, yes, I I wanted to know about that, and I I I, I um, Mark thought I could direct, you know. So, uh, it was fascinating to be a part of a part of the system in a way, part of the twentieth century. You know, I had a parking space, and <laughs> and, and also casting was a was a very very um, heady experience. You know, I started to cast. I did that for Mark on that, and I did it on Golden Pond. Did it on the river, mm. which I was also in with Mel Gibson, and uh, he sent me around to, you know, places um, to um, to cast. We were casting farm boys, and I went over to Memphis and taped a lot of kids and. It was quite a very fascinating experience and also a great step towards directing, you know. Well, it's uh, interesting if for you when you when you did casting, did it make it uh was it helpful or did it make it more difficult to know that look, I'm I'm this person. I've been at the other end of this table myself auditioning. Well, you know, it probably helped. It made it agony, but it probably helped, you know. Yeah. It made it, you know, I think Harold Clorman, the very important director from the group theater, said, it was in his, one of our books, but Harold I knew, because I was at Lincoln Center, he was one of the directors there. But um, Harold had said he once heard a, a director say that he loved casting, he couldn't wait to get into it, and then Harold said, he must be a sadist, <laughs> because... It's certainly not the, the the most jolly thing to do. It is an adventurous thing, and God knows it's important. Once you got the actor, you got the actor. That's it. I mean, you can do things with him, but he's still what he is, and brings those all those things with him, or things that he doesn't have. And um, uh, you know, in Poland, I believe I always like to tell people that. In Poland, I think it was Poland that they defined direction and rehearsal as as correcting your casting mistakes. <laughs> and in other words, nobody cast has got it all. You know, mm. you have to know what you've got is as close as you can get. And now, what you're doing in your rehearsals is trying to find those places that aren't there. 
see what I'm saying. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, I think it, I think it helps. It, it always takes a lot of energy because the person coming in the room, the person com- coming in the room is so filled with things, and themselves and 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 the part and and, um, and they're being tested and anybody under being tested is under under stress. And you have to be there for that. And you have to take on some of that stress. It's very difficult. It's very, very, um, and yet exciting, real exciting, very, very exciting. You know, I, when I work with Mark Rydell, we cast uh, the James Dean, James Dean story. And, yeah. and, John, and um, James Franco must have been working on that part all his life. And, um, and we read together and, um, I don't think the casting person thought that he was right. There was an Australian actor or something who they, who they favored, you know. <clears throat> but Mark said, you know, when you read with Jimmy, don't let's try not to read exact with him. In other words, try to improvise a little bit in between and let's see if he can really listen and really pick up on stuff. And of course, he was great at that, you know. So we were... Uh, and I said to Mark, I- I'm for Jimmy uh, uh, Franco. I said, he, when you're close to him, you can see he's kind of crazy in his eyes. You need that for Jimmy, you know. Mm. So, yeah, it takes a lot of effort, and it's exciting at the same time. Really, yeah. really exciting. You know? And also, you should bring somebody with you when you're casting as an actor, not read with the casting. Part. I do that, you know, sometimes you'll go out and read something, and the casting director will read it to you and run the camera. You're thinking, wow. Mm. You know, very, you know. very impersonal. Yeah. Well, maybe that's, yeah, it's hard to do. You have to supply what's not, not there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, let me ask you about another filmmaker that you worked with early on, and this was a, a, a prime, primary, juicy role for you in, in Puzzle of a Downfall Child. Oh well, I met him last night at the opening at Jerry Schatzberg. I met him last night at the opening of The Irishman. And he tells me that that movie has been really, you know, keeps being played in France, particularly. And they'll be doing issuing again. There's always an interest in that movie because it was kind of short-changed when it came out. And if you look, I don't know if you've ever seen it, have you? Yeah, oh, of course, yes. Well, you know, it, it, it's a very advanced movie for its time. Yes, sir. You know? Very, very European-looking. And I loved working with Jerry. And, and I got that role from Faye Dunaway, who was in a company with me at uh, Lincoln Center, her and, and Jerry. So, yeah, it, was a, it wasn't easy because my first real experience in acting on film and I really didn't understand simple things about it, you know, marks. and I'd done a little television, but not much. And I had a contract with John Foreman and, and Paul Newman, and so they were always around and made me very nervous. <laughs> and and Jerry's this was Jerry Shotsburg's first movie, so mm-hmm. he also had his own hands. You know, he was sometimes, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, he, he he was terrific to work for. But I remember in that movie there were some people, technical people, who in retrospect had too much say. And what the actors were doing, the sound guy, the script supervisor, they made comments to me. And that, that that threw me all the time. And uh, it wouldn't today, but, but it did. 
anyhow, it was, it was, it was and it was very nice because Jerry, I played a photographer, and, and, and Jerry, high fashion photographer, which is what Jerry had been, a big one, a wonderful one, and uh, he got me involved in that world, and I sent me to photographers to learn how to shoot, and, and um, yeah, so you a, you didn't you didn't feel like you were playing an extension of of Jerry I Shakespeare. did I, I did in a way yes I did <laughs> I did my hair looks like his if you remember and and he and uh, you know and Faye was somebody that he had had uh, a long relationship with <laughs> so uh, uh, so uh, yeah I did in in a way. But but he did, that didn't interfere with it, and that could be very helpful. Mm-hmm. You, know, you trust the director knows what he what he's talking about. You know? But I I, uh, I I was I was very um, beginning of the movie. I was more nervous, and then I hooked on to a to a wonderful coach and teacher at at, at Uta Hagen's studio, Walt Whitcover, and he he kind of <clears throat> we kind of rehearsed together because it was on. Something I didn't understand. There was no rehearsal for the film, and so it happened when you when it happened, and so Walt and I got together, and he helped me through the latter part of the film. It was a it was a kind of strange role because it's about a guy who's in love with somebody who presses it through the whole film, basically, mm. and um, uh, so it was uh, it was interesting. It was interesting. Yeah. I love Schatz. I, I love Jerry Schatzberg. So he's been on the show a couple of times, and As several, he? yeah, several of his movies have caught on years after they've been released. Uh, well, and I, I guess that I speaks to just how sophisticated the director he is. Yeah, Panic in Needle Park, and yeah, sure. Scarecrow. Oh, oh, Scarecrow's good. Yeah, Scarecrow's good. Well, well, um, yeah. Well, was, uh, <laughs> he, he he mentioned last night that that. That movie has gotten a lot of play all over the place, and so next yeah. time you have him on the show, tell him you talk to me. You know, I definitely will. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, Boxcar Bertha, I want to talk a little oh. bit about uh, oh, because Marty uh, last night. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, it what a phenomenal movie. You see a Roger Corbett production, and and but you see all of Scorsese's. Um, yeah, All of everything. his themes that rec- yeah, recur throughout his career. Yeah, yeah. Everything is there. That's true. Now, that was a very exciting time. And, you know, I uh, I didn't know who, who who Marty was, but Roger Corman and I had done a film together called Von Richthofen and Brown, who I played Gehring, the German uh, general when he was mm-hmm. young. And John Philip Law played Von Richthofen. And Roger directed it, and um, got flyers and shooting the and the Red Baron, and um, and when that movie was done, we got along well, Roger and I, and uh, Julie Corman, who who, who was his, his wife at the time, he, he his wife now, uh, yes. they weren't married, <laughs> they got married after this, and and uh, called and said we got a film here, I think it's come from a book called Sisters of the Road, but they called it Boxcar Bertha, about a, about a woman who rode the boxcars. 
And um, so she said, you know, we'd like you to do it. I said, oh, yeah, well, anything you're doing, Rodney. Yes, sure, I'd love to. She said, well, I read it, and I said, you know, I'd like to direct that. My father was a salesman at that time in the South, so I know a little about it. You know, my father was like my character, you know, and wandering around. I'm wanting to open up his mouth because he was from the North, and there's a lot of prejudice against the North at that time. So I said, you know what, I have somebody in mind. I went up to San Francisco and I saw uh, um, Shorts, and I think he said I saw Who's Knocking. Guess Who's Knocking? Mm -hmm. Some version of Marty's first NYU movie, you know, that he put together at NYU. He said, I think he's very talented. I was thinking of having him directed. Now, Roger was living above above a restaurant called The Old World. It was on Sunset Boulevard. And he just rubbed up. He goes, oh, why don't you go down and meet him? I, I don't have time or something like that. But why don't you see him? You know, kind of tell me what you think of him, you know? So I went down to interview Marty. <laughs> and um, Marty showed up. He was working with John Cassavetes as a, um, a sound editor on, uh, I think it was Husbands. And uh, he came. <clears throat> and um, he was full of energy, popping in and out with t- tremendous energy that he has. But he brought a whole little suitcase, not a whole little uh, book of, <laughs> like a suitcase full of, of pictures that he had drawn of the movie, mm. different shots. And so when he would talk to me, he would flip open another picture and tell me about it. And um, you could tell right away he was, you know, he was unusual. And, of course, he was um, not only unusual, but, um, you know, you know, very fetching. You know, you, you wanted to be with him. And, you know, he told me some things that I thought were very talented. I played Rake, and he's frightened of guns. He said, well, because Rake is frightened of guns, Barry, then I'm going to show you always from the gun, you know, I'm going to shoot you from the gun up a lot. Mm. You know, shoot from that area to, to the, there. And then when you die, we'll go back and somehow we, you'll understand what, what we were doing. And he kind of showed me a picture of it. And I thought, hmm, he's really, he really thinks in terms of film, you know. So, yeah. so that was, that, that was, what happened? Now, I had met Marty before, so it's not totally, I, I'm positive, wait a minute, yeah, yeah, it was before. I had met Marty before when Brian De Palma had been ha- around when I did a movie called Been Down So Long It Looks Like Up To Me, and Brian had been around, and he said to me one day, I know a movie that's going to be made by a director who knows more about movie making than anybody alive except Bertolucci. So I said, oh, who's that? He said, his name is Marty Scorsese. He's made one little movie. Maybe you could do this movie. It's called Gaga, which in Italian, I think it meant shit face. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> and it was about a guy who worked for the Good Humor Ice Cream Truck. And he had trouble with people who would kill him. So the gang sends him, sends him down to Miami to get rid of him. There he has a lot of adventures. It was a kind of... I don't know. I think it was an early spoof on the on the whole crime. You know, it was like a gang that couldn't shoot straight. It was a silly mm-hmm. kind of take on it. So I met Marty 
was through him. And at Warner's, Warner Brothers, he had me come for lunch and we talked, but nothing came of that party. And then, and then along came uh, Marty again, but this time sent by Roger. And so I, I went back to Roger. I said, well, this guy's very, you know, very gifted. And, and then, of course, I saw his shorts. First thing Marty did when we got to the location down in Arkansas was he had the crew and the cast go to a local movie house and play his shorts. Well, then right afterwards, we quickly, I always t- I told Marty, one of the last times I saw him when we were shooting the Irish, and I said, you know, Marty, all I could think about was when I came out of the shorts, I said to myself, oh, this guy's gifted. I hope he gets a break and go somewhere. <laughs> and we, and we, both la- we both laughed. You know, he's obviously very... The funny thing about it is uh, the only other person who knew him knew about him was was Mar- uh, was Bobby De Niro. Bobby he grew up a little bit. He lived on 14th Street, but he grew up a lot, oh, about 12, 15 blocks away down in the, um, in, in uh, a little Italy and, and, um, on the, and, and, and hung around the street. Mm-hmm. So he knew, he knew, they knew each other on a very peripheral level. You know, so uh, and, Bo- and Bobby, that. Bobby too started uh, with the uh, with De Palma, I think, as well. No, he started with De Palma, and then also he went to Roger Corman. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah. I it, I never made the movie with, with 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 Brian. I just knew him at that time. That was the only time I was involved. With him. Yeah. Well, we will have. Uh, we're actually taping our interview with Corman next week for this series. You're uh, kidding me, Roger? Yeah. You are you going to be in my love. Will you send I, my love? I definitely will. You, I, I just think want... I think he's a great, great guy. You know, so generous and and and, and um, so helpful and so interesting. You know, I had kind of a nice relationship with him years ago. We used to hang out and when he came to New York with Julie, we'd go to the Russian Tea Room. I'll never forget when he came to the Russian Tea Room. Told me he decided to rep a movie from. Uh, from Sweden, and here's a guy who was, you know, considered, you know, by some people making schlock. It wasn't true. I mean, he was making movies, very interesting, low-budget movies. Some of them may not be good, but a lot of them were, and and experimental and interesting. And so he said, yeah, well, I'm also going to rep this movie. It's an art movie, but I'm so blown away by it when I rep it. It was Cries and Whispers by Bergman. Yeah. Which was an amazing movie. And he would, re- he would release that. He would release Cries and Whispers in the drive-in. Did he? Uh, yes, he did. Oh, <laughs> which is a, which is kind of an amazing thing to think about. But who well, has a that, greater that's impact? That's kind of a mixture. That's a real mixture of his talents and interests. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And money, who has a greater money. impact on on cinema than Roger Corman? If you think about oh. all the people he started, it's just well, amazing. he's great. He's always he's always approachable, and. Um, the one great story you might remind him of is he came down to Boxcar Bertha where he had hired and the studio, American International, didn't like the rushes because Marty's rushes were kind of odd. He had me always dropping the gun because I was kind of like scared or this or that. You know, it wasn't like a regular crime movie. He always botched things up in an interesting way. You know, so you see that yesterday, even Irishman, so he makes things human and, and awkward the way they really are. 
So he had me and David Carradine talking, and we didn't understand each other. So I would say, what, what? And we didn't understand each other in life too much. I liked, I liked him, but he's another culture. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I didn't understand him. I just, we, we were going to understand him. He just said we were different kinds of people. And so he would use that. He said, well, Barry, when he says something to you, you say, what are you talking about? And we go back and forth like that. But when they saw the Russians, they thought, these guys don't know their lines. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so they wanted to fire Marty. And uh, Roger came down to Arkansas. I don't know what he did, but it was a hard movie. I don't think it was not like a 20 day movie, it was an action film. Mm-hmm. He came down and, um, and saved the day and had, had Marty stay on the movie, you know? Wow. So, you know, that was a great... Um, he, ask about Von Richter and Brown, and there were a lot of explosives in that movie. That was very funny. <laughs> you know, because, I definitely will. Oh, yeah, you ask... Tell him, he once, he, once, he once told the squad that was, we were supposed to run out onto a field. We were playing German fighter pilots in World War One. He says, there are going to be explosives all around you. And these were real planes, real biplanes for the Irish Air Force. Had the, the train pilots. And so he says, there's going to be explosives all around you, you know. So, you know, uh, so this is how you should walk. And he drew out on the ground, you know, for us where uh, the wires for the explosives had been put. And where to, where to run between what. There was going and, and there was going to be an air raid by by the British over the field. It will go from the planes above to you know to the ground below. I mean, and then you'll see us running to the planes to get them. But a big hangar in, in the front of us will blow up. So he's going to get all that on 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 uh, you know in one take. You know, mm-hmm. exciting shot. You know, so. So we start running, and he, he. But first of all, he shows us. He would go out, and he shows us where to run. So we run. So then the action starts, and the planes come overhead. Everything blows up. We we was we run out of the hangar, and we were about ten of us running through the field to get to our plane. And the expl- we ran. The explosions were happening all over where we were running, <laughs> because either he had told us he had told us the wrong way. <laughs> there we were, and now the barn in front of us exploded, and the little nails came flying through the air. So we were under real attack, Ooh. you know, and the planes flew over, and then one of the planes caught fire, and, and Roger yelled at me, Barry, put it out, put it out, and, you know, you know, like, so the cameras ran, and, 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 and I tried, and I said, I said, holy shit, this gasoline is playing, I said, I gotta, gotta get out of here, and I ran away. I don't know what happened with the plane, but but it was you know he 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 made use of, of that 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 um, that 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 accident and um, yeah I didn't do it on purpose but you know it, it, it just was a, a funny I think he he generally created an atmosphere of of playfulness that mm. that you know and and experimentation and amateurishness in, in a good in a good way. You know he he um, he's very intelligent, but but that that really was uh, a thing. We used to have a thing. I don't know if you're going to tell him this, but I used to have a thing. I say, you know, I would watch Roger shooting and shoot extremely fast, 
And we used to say, if the camera doesn't fall over, he's going to print it. Be careful. You know, whatever it is, you know, he's going to print it, you know. So, of course, I would defend myself like everybody always does by forgetting the lines, you know. So we have to shoot it again. But sometimes you can say, that's good. That's fine up to there. Keep going. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I probably knew that we were doing that, you know, you know. Well, so, shit, Roger, that wasn't very good. He's, no, no, I'm going to cut it a certain way. It'll work, it'll work. But if you went to Roger, really, you can reshoot it anyway. He's very understanding of people. I, 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 uh, I, think I, I, I have a lot of affection. Everybody has a lot of affection. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So tell me, I mean, you, you, because you worked several times with, uh, with Mr. De Niro, and yeah. I want to know what it's like to be his acting partner, and and on the flip side of that, to actually direct him. Which, which well, you have done. I did New York, New York with him, and you know, I played kind of an. Lou was my nemesis because he was in love with Liza Minnelli, and I was too. And I played a, a straight guy. He's the jazz guy. I'm the straight guy. Mm-hmm. Marty made me dye my hair blonde, so I'd be different than. You know, he wanted more of a, um, he wanted me to be the, the lightweight in a way, the kind of commercial uh, uh, artist, and him to be the, more like Charlie Parker. So it was, it, was, it was good. You know, Bobby's always serious and intense. I don't know what to say. I mean, and, uh, and, when, and when you direct him, is it a different to gauge what his needs are? Is it a different kind of dynamic than acting across from him or? Because uh, he was a he was a mistress, right? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. With great film, great film. Thank you, thank you. Um, he knew that character for a long time. You see, Bobby was the first person to read the script. He read it about six years before it got made. He always liked it. He used to use that script as a sample when he hired development people see if they liked it. But nobody would make the movie. And one day, Bobby came and. Uh, we were, I think he was going in the subway in those days, and he met me, and he said, hey, what's going on with the script? I said, nothing. He said, well, who's read it? And I told him, so I said, they all turned it down. He said, who turned it down? He, I gave him the name. He said, oh, then it's got to be good. And they're all schmucks. I'll do it. So he, he, he came in and got it made. This was fantastic. But he knew the character, and he was coming, he was coming from Cape Fear, he came directly there. He didn't have time to do the kind of deep prep work that he does. And I didn't think it was necessary. I thought, I thought somehow he knew the character. I might even have said, well, you don't have to prepare for this too much, you know. We'll do it by the day, which is what we did. Well, of course, he had, a, a, he had a thrust on the character. He used, <laughs> he used somebody I, he used a combination of two people that, that, that I wrote about. Mm. One in particular I wrote about. So he knew them. And he knew their adjustments. He knew how, how they would be, you know? And um, yeah. with Bobby, it's, it's like all great actors. You, you have to approach them with a real respect for them to find their way to do it their way, you know? Mm. You can't tell someone like that they're wrong, like in high school. That's what I think Mar- uh, Marty and uh, Bobby have in common. They, they, 
They like to move around and explore, not hit it on on the nail right away, and to come to it. You know, they want freedom. Bobby wants freedom to do it, but meanwhile, he always stays within the script, and he always stays within what the job is, but how to do it. He may he fools around with that and finds it, and. I would tell him what the scene was about. Well, he would, he would see it, and he would do it. And um, most of all, he would do it. After you know, we talked a little about it, he would do it. And then I would bring in little adjustments. You know, what if you yeah. tried this? You want to try that? Or you want to try this? You know, I will say something that I think he told me we were going to do a play many years ago before he became famous. We were going to try to do a musical, actually, from Galt McDermott, who wrote Hair. He was hmm. a great, com- great composer. And Bobby was going to, was trying to see if he could, <laughs> he wasn't, I don't know if he was a singer or not, but he wanted to work on it. And he, we were working on it, and I think he, he might have been there, or it might have been later. He said, you know, the one thing I want to tell you about directing is, don't tell me I'm wrong. Hmm. You know? Tell me something else or sometime. And I got it, you know, which was that, you know, telling someone they're right or wrong is high school. You know, in school, you're right, you're wrong. You know, two and two is four. You know, it's not five. So you're wrong. But, you know, that, this, that's so true. That's so true because once you say that to an actor that you're wrong, the partnership kind of closes off. Absolutely. And it needs to be a partnership, you know. That's so interesting. That, but how about this? Have you thought about this or... That's yes, that's the way. Yeah, absolutely. Or let them do it. Although this is what Marty does, I know, because I've worked with Scorsese. And do it, pull it out, and now you've done it. And now the director says, that's good. Okay, fine. That's one way to go. And, and it's good. Mm. And it's good. Got a lot of good ideas from that. Now, like, can we see it another way? Let me tell you how I, we could also maybe. Could you possibly see it this way? you follow? Yes. But you've gotten the actor the chance to express something which he needs to express. He also needs to express it. When someone writes a, 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 a play or a movie, they don't write it. They write pages and throw them away until they get to that page. Mm-hmm. But somehow we approach acting like, oh, that's it. Do you know what I mean? Play yeah. the note. And that's yeah. it. So, so I, I think, you know, uh, you know, that working with an actor like that and other very talented actors is that much used word, but very rarely seen, you have to approach it in a collaborative way. You know, great actors are both harder to work with because they demand more of the part. They demand more for themselves and they demand to fulfill certain artistic things very, very much. And on the other hand, they're tougher to work with and slower to work with sometimes. On the other hand, they bring you things that you never thought about and that you're grateful for. I think it was it was it was Kazan who said that uh, Brando uh, uh, working with Marlon, you know, he just would tell him things and what he wanted, and then he would say, you then would would tell him things, and he would find he he would be would want to be left alone to find a way to do them and make them his own. Hmm. And then he said, with Brandy, you often 
tones and a couple of things, and then you, and then you would pray for a miracle, and more often than none, that that's what would happen. Mm. You know, so he try to get out of his way, help him and get out of his way at the same time. You, know? yeah. so you have talents like that. Yeah, have to have to appreciate their needs, their creative needs too. 